And we are back. Hope you listened to the first part of this uh, day's episode uh, released earlier today. I guess we're all, we're all doing all this, this in one sitting, but the earlier episode uh, is the one about UFC, about NFL action. It's about, so good if you didn't listen it's to so, it. Uh, it's so good if you didn't listen to it. <laughs> yeah. said, it's so good if you didn't listen to it. Oh, if you didn't listen to it, yeah. I mean, yeah. Dwayne Wade's in there, Sierra's right. in there, Russell Wilson's in there. We got to talk a lot about Dwayne Wade and Gabriel Union. I mean, what more do you want? Right. We talk. Bring it on. Uh, we talk. Um, we talk. We got to have a sports I'm a 19 movie year old girl. <laughs> Get bring it on. Yeah, we do. Oh, yeah, we do. That's no, we really do. Hundred uh, percent agree with that. But my favorite, now we're my favorite on the more... movie is the Disney Channel original one, though. Um, I can't remember what it's called. It's a good one, though. Oh, I don't know what it's called either now. I know what you're talking about. I just remember that. Si se puede. Si se puede. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, it's, um, damn it. Uh, <laughs> I have to look it up now. Uh, otherwise, I'm going to lose my mind. Just be upset. It's not Alley Cat Strike, another great Disney Channel original sports movie. Is it Gotta Kick It Up? It probably. It sounds yeah, right. Got, 2002? Yeah, that sounds right. Got, Is got Ameri- it. Amer- America Ferrera's in that, isn't she? I, I believe, wait for it, wait for it. It says Spanish, yeah, yeah, America Ferrer. Yeah, for sure. Um, That's the one. It's a Spanish culture. I was like, she's, I, there. she's there. There's no way. 2002, you saw America Ferrer like, oh, a Latin movie. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> we got to cast America Ferrer. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, let's talk college basketball. We're not going to start in the tournament, though. We'll end our episode with that. We're going to start with some of the biggest coaches. Yeah, and it was coming. Not We didn't know this year, but it was coming. We talked about it earlier this year, actually. Some great coach is going to be leaving us soon, and one of them has. Roy Williams retires today after 33 years college coaching, obviously with UNC and with Kansas if you don't, uh, if you're not old enough to remember that, or you didn't know anything about Roy Williams, obviously great coach with Candace as well. He finishes third of in most all-time wins. He's a Hall of Famer since 2007. Like not even, <laughs> he's been a Hall of Famer since 2007. Uh, he he's the, still, he he'd only won one national championship at that point. Like it was like he's just beginning his career. Right. Uh, he's the only coach with 400 wins at two schools. He's a three-time national champ with. UNC. Congratulations to Roy Williams on a great career. Uh, yeah, I mean, what else is there to say? I, where, I mean, I'll, I'll ask you a question. Roy Williams, Dean Smith. Who's better? Whew, that's a tough one. I, uh, man, I think I go Dean Smith, honestly. I, I think I do. Yeah. Uh, I know, I know. Roy's got one more national champion than him, but but Dean was God. Dean was a really good coach for a, a very, very long time too. Um, but yeah, I think I, I think I might I think I go Dean on uh, a slight a slight edge. Roy's a great coach, um, and I was I was shocked to see him him go. But you know, he uh, I, I was shocked mostly just because like he's younger than Beheim, he's younger than Coach K, not by a lot, and he's still seventy years old, but. I thought Roy, I mean, he was this year, he became the youngest head coach ever to get 900 wins. So it kind of felt like, oh man, he's really relative young and, and can, you know, maybe pass Coach K or, or Bayheim or whatever uh, and really establish uh, a legacy. But a terrific coach. The year I got like super, super into basketball was, was 2004, 2005. It was the first time like I, I watched like games all year. And it was the first time I filled out my bracket and like knew what I was doing. And I fell in love with that, that North Carolina team, that 2005 team that won it all. Uh, you know, Sean May, Rashad McCants, Raymond Felton, Marvin Williams, the quintessential North Carolina Roy Williams team of a bunch of big ass dudes and a really good fast point guard. Um, <laughs> and, they, and they have some great wings too. But uh, it was also the first time I got the tournament champion right. I had North Carolina win in it. Um, so, so Roy was always a, a coach I really liked because when I, you know, turned on to co- college basketball, that, that was the team. Um, and that was a big win for him because he had been at Kansas for 15 years and had a lot of good teams, went to some final fours, but could never quite 
get over that national championship hump. Like that, that was always the knock against Roy Williams for the first decade and a half of his, of his career. Um, and certainly turn that around at North Carolina winning three titles while he was there with three teams of big dudes down low and, and great point guards. Um, but yeah, the, 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 the where does Roy Williams rank in the all time list is a tough one. Cause I, I definitely have him behind like coach K. Yeah. I think that's fair. I also have him behind coach K and you know, there is like a little bit of, Controver- not controversy, he's a great coach and obviously belongs in everything. He's had some great teams. Like, he's had some ridiculous players play for him. And, like, I I, I don't – not that Coach K hasn't, obviously. But um, I, I think that the knock is – Roy Williams has even been quoted saying, I don't know if I could win without great players. I don't know if I could win with, like – just me coach. I could, I don't know if I can coach a team to win. I think I'd have to have great players to win. Um, so, you know, there's, there's some, I, I know I've just, I know over the years I've heard people say he's overrated. So what do you think about that? Do you think he's justly rated? Do you think he's overrated? No, I don't think he's overrated. They all win with best. I love, I love that quote from Roy Williams because they all win with great players. <laughs> you know, you know who we're going to talk about later? Gonzaga a program that's been on the rise for so many years. They didn't get to the final four. They didn't become the number one team until Mark Few got great players. He could only do so much with them. So like, I I love that out of Roy Williams because he's just like, yeah, that I need that. That's the fact of the matter. Uh, No, I think he's, I think he's ranked right where he was at. Like I said, you know, at Kansas, he had, especially there, a lot of great teams and a lot of great players that he never was able to, to take a, you know, get a championship with. Um, so maybe if that had just been his career, I would say that. But, you know, over the last 18 years or so at, at North Carolina, um, I, I personally think he's put that to bed. I, he's had some some tremendous teams. What's funny, though, to me is like his last championship team, I didn't think was that good. It, they weren't that good. They were the worst of his three for sure. Oh, easily. Like, that 2009 team was redonkulous. So like I – Both the know. 2009 and 2005 teams were stacked. The 2005 team had – I don't even know how many guys taken in the top 10, but at least like four in the top 15, like that. he's the 2017 team. I can Joel Berry, Kendi Meeks. I, I can kind of remember them, but they were a very, uh, they, they just weren't as good as those other teams still national champions. So all credit to them. There you go. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we'll miss Roy Williams. Dagum Roy. We'll miss him. Uh, we'll miss him real well. Uh, and, uh, now the question, you know, Swiss shifts. Who replaces the great Roy Williams at UNC? We talked about it. Indiana was a big job. It's not anymore. Indiana's like, who cares? Who the hell cares? Indiana, um, Indiana is historic and has a, a great fan base and has a decent amount of money. It's not North Carolina. It's absolutely. It's not Chapel North Carolina is one of those jobs that's like, it's like North Carolina, Kentucky, Duke, it, it's the top bar. I mean, UCLA isn't even on that line anymore. No, it's the Michael Jordan school. That's what it is. It's you are, you are connected to Michael Vince Jordan. Carter school, the Antoine Jameson school. Yeah. It's the, crazy. so many goddamn pros over the last 70 years school. Yeah. And uh, it's a lot of pressure. So the question remains, I mean, the first thing I'll ask you, do you think they go in house higher or do you think they go out of house higher? What do you think they're searching for? I think there's a decent chance that Hubert Davis gets gets hired um, because it would probably determine on how much they're going to let Roy have a say in it, which he'll probably have a decent amount because of how long he's been there and, and how much sway he has. So I think Hubert Davis has a chance. Um, obviously, he, he left ESPN several years ago to go be an assistant coach to foreseeably become a head coach. Um, and, and as an ex-UNC player and, and having coached under – Roy now as well, certainly a guy that's is very, very familiar with the program. But, you know, it's one of those programs where you don't really need to go inside. I I would look outside. Immediately, I said, go hire Chris Beard. Like, as soon as I saw the news, I was like, go get your ass to Lubbock and hire Chris Beard because he's not going to be at Texas Tech forever. And, like, 15 minutes after Roy Williams announced his retirement, Texas came out and like, we're hiring Chris Beard. He's our coach. Okay. Which like there was a few reasons for that. Uh, my friend told me like his buyout went from five million to four million today. Obviously, they were talking negotiations, but like you can't convince me that Texas didn't press play quicker on this thing 
after the Roy news. Like, I, I think they were like, we're not even going to let North Carolina dial this dude's number. And I know he's, he's an ex-Texas guy and all this stuff. Hey, look, if Iowa and North Carolina were offering me a head coaching job, there's not a chance in hell I take the Iowa job. <laughs> and, I know, and I know Iowa athletics aren't the same as Texas, but like, come on. Chris Beard's not an idiot. I, I, his dream job, quote, dream jobs change. So I, I think Chris Beard would have been in contention. Uh, now it's, you know, it, since it's USC, it's one of those things where it's like, yo, call Mark Few. I, I think I think Scott Drew, I would say in the Big 12, I think Scott Drew, there's a good chance he would leave. I, I don't think he wants to leave Baylor, but it's North Carolina. Like that, that's when it's a job like this, you throw it all out the window because think about how good Calipari was at Memphis and how what a basically dynasty he had there with the Tigers. Once Kentucky came calling, you have to take those jobs. So I don't think Mark Few leaves. I do think Scott Drew, there's a chance. Uh, and then, you know, of course, there's there's always the up-and-comers that we already mentioned for the other jobs, the, the Nate Porters, the Eric Musselmans, the, the Porter Mosers, um, uh, Nate Oates, sorry. Um, but, yeah, it's it's going to be a wild, a wild one. And, and because it's UNC, it's – going to be a wide range of candidates and really whoever the hell they they want to be a candidate right all of a sudden i'm like yeah i mean brad stevens would lead the celtics for unc in a heartbeat if if they don't if they don't make the playoffs he's gone i think there's a better chance like i brad stevens i was like he's never going to go to indiana i think there's at least a chance he listens to north carolina absolutely he's still a young guy he can still do that that i think even billy i mean you talk nba billy donovan i it's it's one of those jobs that when when they when their number dials you, I'm not sure how you say no to. You pick up. Everyone's picking up. Mark Few's picking up. I don't know if he'll go, but Mark Few's. You know what it is? It's right. gonna be. It's gonna be hard. I mean, my pick. I'll, I'll I'll just go off the bat. I agree with Scott Drew. I think I think that Scott Drew goes because you know what it is for me. Like yes, you're probably gonna make the final. You're gonna lose to Gonzaga, but you made the final with Baylor. But Baylor is not a historically great school. Baylor is a flash in the pan that you have now. You built a great program with Baylor. Good for you. Congratulations. Now go get your reward. Go get your reward. Go be the coach at UNC. That's well, what we, you do. It's one of those things, and like Scott Drew has done such a tremendous job at Baylor, and, and I would, of course, not knock him for, for not staying, but like even with the Texas job, that state doesn't care about basketball. They don't. Like if, like if I was Chris Beard and I had my choice between Texas and North Carolina, I understand there's pressure against at North Carolina, but there's also a shit ton of pressure at Texas and they don't care. Yeah. Uh, but like for, for Scott Drew, it's, it's kind of one of those things too, where it's like, yeah, dude, like clearly you can win. You, you can make the, this team can win a national title. You can obviously make a national title contending team here, but it, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, you know, when he started out at Baylor, he had a knife. And, and he's worked hard to get himself a couple of pistols, a little bit more ammunition here and there. When North Carolina comes calling, they're like, hey, we got seven nukes. Where do you want them? They, it, they just have so much more resources where it's like all of your ability as a coach and all the tools you have there at Baylor, we got better. We, we have more. Like, <laughs> they don't eat- they don't even call. He opens his mailbox and there's just a big red button and, and it just says, push me. <laughs> Push the big red button. Do it. <laughs> and then a bunch of five-star recruits just fall out of the sky. You're like, oh, shit. Oh, this roster rules. <laughs> Jared Butler, who? <laughs> um, honestly, though. Oh, God. It's going to be so much fun to see who gets it and then, like, evaluate how they do. It's. I mean, it's. you're right. It's a pressure job like no other. So, um, yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll continue to see. I, I think if you're going down – if you're going down the who does Roy want to replace it, um, him route, I, I'm, I think it'll be Hubert Davis. There's there's that other guy, Wes, what's his name, something or other, um, who coaches at UNC Greensboro that I think, you know, is being floated around as well. Uh, but I, I do believe that, um, I don't know, I just kind of see UNC being like, no, we want, we kind of want an established coach. Because if you're a team, you're, if you're, you know, like maybe they yeah, want to build- Yeah, I think Wes Miller's too young. Like, yeah, like I, Wes I, Miller, yeah. like, I even think like Nate Oates and Musselman and, and Porter Moser, as much as I like those guys, I don't think they're established enough for North Carolina. Like North Carolina doesn't really need just the hot up and coming. Like they want to look at somebody that's like, all right, what are you going to do for the next 15 to 20 years? 
because right. that's how long we expect greatness. Right. I mean, you know what else is funny? I <laughs> part of me really wants them to hire Nate Oates just because he hates Duke so much. <laughs> I mean, I don't think Nate Oates would be a bad hire. Don't get me wrong. Like, if they hire Nate Oates, I I would be all about it, and I think it'd be a solid hire. I just think they're going to be like, eh, we can get someone a little more established. But I like, I think I love Nate Oates. Right. It'd be so funny. Coach K is like, you've got to be shitting me. You hired Nate fucking Oates, who's my, the biggest hater of Coach K in the world. Be perfect. Oh, man. Uh, no, it's really exciting. We'll see what happens. Uh, we talked about it already. Chris Beard replacing Shaka Smart, who went to Marquette at the Texas job. It was, and I agree with you. I, I think that it was something that was basically locked in, in in everybody's mind. And then the one job that could unlock it came available. And everybody was like, oh, God, we actually, you know what I mean? It's Shut like, that door. Shut that door. Right. It's like when you're going on dates with a girl and like you guys get each other and you, you know, you're funny. You've gone over the awkwardness phase. You, you dig each other. But then what's his name from, from across the hall, you know? He he him and his you're girlfriend not, you're break not up. Quite official. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're yeah. not like quite together. <laughs> if yeah. him and his girlfriend break up, that's a great analogy. Right. Like, oh, shit. Shit. I gotta lock this down. So we're you call her immediately and you're like, hey, I'd, I'd like to be exclusive. Yeah. <laughs> Let's make this FBO. Yeah, I I agree. Like I obviously the Texas job, Texas had clearly been talking to Chris Beard. Like it wasn't like they called him today. They're like, oh hey, by the way. But like I think it was one of those things where they were close to an end, and they saw that, and they're like, "Whatever we need to do to deal to to put this deal to bed, we're doing it." Right? They didn't even ask Chris Beard. They made it Facebook official before before even tech. They said, "I guess we are dating." I don't know what happened. It was on. It's on Facebook. It's true. <laughs> they're sending him a text. Hey, can you uh, accept my relationship status change? And he's like, "Oh, that's okay." I mean, like, well, that seems out of the blue. And then they're like, "Well, here's also the money." Uh, yep, sure. Yeah, I'll do yeah, that. That's fair. That's How the much one money you pay me? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. In a relationship all the way. <laughs> oh man. I'll let I'll let you call me whatever you want. Uh yeah. no, but I think it's a great hire. And I can see Chris Beard being there for a long time. Um great fit, an obvious fit. I think Texas reaches that next level with him. Um that that we thought maybe they would reach this year and then it kind of fell off. Uh, I agree. Shaka Smart leaving. I, I I don't know if he was pushed out, but I think it was a, I think he was a smart. He was just going to be on the hot seat immediately at the beginning of next year. And I, he, why would you want to do that? Go to Marquette, which is like a school that has some history at it, a school that you can only go upwards after last season um, and, and get called a great coach no matter what happens there, really, unless you could somehow do worse. But I you think know, they, a school, too, that's like that's a better fit for, for Shaka. I, like, I, I think I think Marquette fits in the Big East even, kind of fits Shaka Smart better than, than Texas in the Big 12. Right. Um, obviously some controversy, Texas Tech, Texas, you know, Big 12, big, you know, definitely some controversy. Red, Red Raider fans are not happy and uh, yeah. you know, they have every right not to be happy. That'd be rough. That would be rough. Um, but I think I, Chris Beard made the right choice, you know, you know, and, and like, yeah, I just think he can be, build a really good, if you told me Chris Beard was the coach of Texas in 15 years, I would believe, I, I, I could believe that. You know what I mean? Like I Beard, Chris Beard's such a good coach. Like, I, he's insanely good. If, if anybody can make Texas into the power that I think they want to try to be, even though they don't care about basketball, it's Chris Beard. Like, the, the guy is is phenomenal. Right. And I also think, I mean, I don't know about you, I think he probably is going to be one of those guys that builds a, builds a foundation and builds it, builds it, builds it into a little bit of a dynasty. And I don't think he leaves Texas unless it's for an NBA team, which he, he very well could do. You know what I mean? Like... Every college coach wants to think about NBA team. Like you're, you're thinking college basketball. You know, with the nukes, they the the NBA has <laughs> the NBA has just like a whole a whole another planet. Like True. they just offer you a whole world, and they're going to call uh, it Chris Beard's world. It's a different. It's a different game. Though. I I wonder if Chris Beard would be would be interested in the NBA. But um, yeah, I mean, I think there's a great chance he's the Texas coach for the next however many years. Because too, like I. I think it would from now from here from Texas like Texas Tech as great as he did there was always going to be a stepping stone. Texas, you can really stay there. It could be a stepping stone to the elite elite job. But if he makes it into the program that you know, I think he probably thinks he can with all of those those tools and, and such that they have, then 
why would he leave? And I, and I tell you what, the state of Texas, the last decade or so, some of the best high school basketball recruits in, in the country. Like Texas's high school basketball has elevated itself over the last decade, where, where it's just incredible talent all over the state, which, you know, you're like, oh, it's a big state. It should. But that wasn't always the case. Uh, and it, it's really, really a lot better than it's ever been. And that's a huge, huge benefit for a guy like Chris Beard. Right. So, uh, yeah, Chris Beard over at Texas. Another question that remains, who replaces him at Texas Tech? I think Joe Golden from Abilene Christian. He's already in Texas. He, you, you took your team past Texas. I think that's fun. I think that's a fun hire. You know, hire the coach that just beat Texas to, to Texas Tech. I think that that'd be so fun. I'm, I, I hope it is. So Joe Golding, I think, you know, you always see some March Madness performers go to better jobs. And I think Joe Golding will be one of them. Uh, so that's who I think replaces Chris Beard. What about you? Who do you think Red Raiders next coach? You have any ideas? Yeah, it's, it's a tough one because since it isn't, it's not an appealing job. Um, so it is, it is a job where I think it's going to have to be probably someone like, like Joe Goldie, maybe someone a little more established at, at a little bit of a more higher mid-major program. Um, I, I, I really don't have anyone to, to think right now. I'll tell you what, if Greg Marshall gets through his current kind of drama, which as we've seen with coaches, usually you can, I mean, I'm pretty sure Art Bryles has a job somewhere now. Uh, I, Greg Marshall's I think would be a terrific hire. Um, but yeah, it'll be, that'll be an interesting job to, to see because, it, and we'll see too, if, if what Chris Beard has done there kind of holds over like his five years, there were the most successful years of Texas tech history. Um, so which which makes me think too maybe it'll be uh, an assistant i don't know his assistants that well to to really pick one out that it would be um but maybe they keep a, a texas tech guy another guy that because chris beard coached uh under there under bobby knight um so maybe maybe one of those things but uh yeah that's that's an interesting job to to watch for me because it's it, it's got it's got parts that are very very appealing and and on the surface it doesn't look that good of a basketball job but I, but i think it i think it's a better job than it looks right dan altman <laughs> Dan Altman, why, or you, why do you think Dan Altman wants to leave Eugene so much? He loves it out there. Oregon didn't do shit against USC, and then USC got slaughtered. So, what does that say about you? Um, he took Oregon to their first Final Four since they won the first NCAA tournament back in 1948. What more do you want from Dan Altman? <laughs> Killing. <laughs> oh my goodness! You um, just want him to move for some reason. I, now. <laughs> Just because I said it, so now I want it it's to happen. It's that bastard out of the state of Oregon. When Dana Altman leaves, I'm going to tell you I told you so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm say. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a, a day where Marquette wins the national championship, Dana Altman takes a random-ass job, and Stipe retires. And Yannick's just going to be like, I am Nostradamus. Right, honestly. Honestly, Dana Altman could die before he leaves, and I'll just be like, I told you. Not the way that, <laughs> not the, not the way. I knew not, it. I felt it. I just didn't know how, but. Um, Yannick, he just died in a ski accident. Jesus, come on. Or did he? Um, <laughs> Yannick's just going to make Dana Altman disappear, make him go hang out with Tupac and Elvis. I'm like, look, you have to leave this job. I have, I have. My mouth has written a lot of checks that I'm not able to cash unless you leave this job. Right. I mean, God, if anything bad happens to Dana Altman, I have a whole recorded evidence log of... Yeah, of, you are suspect number one. I am suspect. They're like, who cares about Dana Altman? Well, there's one person who has mentioned his name more times than anyone else. <laughs> Captain, <laughs> I found the evidence. I was going through old episodes of random ass sports podcasts. I've got the bastard. Yep. Oh, he said it all here. We got you, son of a bitch. Oh, and, the captain, and then the captain's just like, oh, damn. He called Chris Beard being a Texas for 20 years, too. This guy's good. This guy's pretty good. Uh, he's a monster, but he's pretty good. Jeez. <laughs> um, uh, all right. Well, let's – God. All right. Well, let's move on, though, to a little happy Hawkeye news, which hasn't been – Basketball-wise, hasn't been said in the last week. But Luca Garza wins Player of the Year after finishing in second. He wins it. That's right. Yes, he does. Kate Cunningham, screw you. Drew Timmy and Corey Kispert, screw you. Don't care about you. Um, you guys are all really us, good players. Yeah, of course. It's, but it's, like, it's Luca's year. 
Right. Of Give him course. the AP. And now I just want him. Now he just needs to get the wooden, get the Naismith. Boom. Yeah. Boom. And then he can do whatever the hell he wants to do. Like I said, he can be my dentist if he wants to. I don't really care. Um, yeah. But uh, congratulations, Luca Garza. Throwing some love on the boy, you know, deservedly. Uh, so it's not it's not a it's not a sweet 16. It's not an elite eight, but it's it's a credit to the player that he's been for Iowa. And, uh, you know, nothing nothing better to be said about the man that we haven't said. So just congratulations. Look, if, if you had told me that I could choose between a Sweet 16 or National Player of the Year, you know, team-wise, I, I probably would go Sweet 16. But it's – we technically, we've been to the Sweet 16 before. Iowa has never had a National Player of the Year in basketball, uh, at least in men's basketball. Uh, so, like, it, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, I, I probably would have liked the team success more, but, like, the team success has been there and probably will come down again down the line. I'm not sure we'll ever see another season. Like, we're going to go to another Sweet 16. I'm not sure we'll ever see a- another player like this or another season like this at, at the University of Iowa. So he-, he deserved all the awards last year and got absolutely screwed. So I'm glad he- he's winning them this year. Uh, he should be winning the Wooden and Naismith. Caitlin Clark also got screwed this year. I was like, oh, Paige Booker's first freshman. Pfft. I'm Girl sorry. I will- a candle to Caitlin Clark. Iowa would have scored two points without Caitlin Clark in that game. Iowa would have scored two points against UConn. Iowa would have I, walked off the field, walked off the court in the quarter. The East Coast UConn bias for women's basketball. It's like, you guys are idiots. Yeah, oh, I mean, morons. they've earned it, I guess, but. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, like, like 70 million straight Final Fours. Right. It's just like. Has there the ever been pick. a Final Four where Gino Ariam isn't sitting there? Just like. Honestly, I'm going to win again. That was funny because I did faces and no one can hear my faces, but they were funny. They were, they were, they were good. They were, they were good. Matt can attest. All right, Matt, finally, let's get to the big kahuna of the sports week. It is the final four coming around this weekend. We are back at it after two years of waiting for a final four. We have it. Obviously there's some excitement. For the most part, there's some uh, obviousness to the to the uh, to the you know predictions of the winners, but we will go through it nonetheless. Go through how our final four teams got there. Exciting nonetheless. But let's start off with the most obvious final four contestant. It is Mark Few and Gonzaga, who absolutely what's a worse word than destroyed the West region? Just like uh, if. if <laughs> Just went out west. You know what they did? They Gonzaga him. That's what they did. They Gonzaga him. Gonzaga him. That's the 29 wins out of 30 by double digits. That's insane. I, I like that's insane. Right. I mean, we were on this podcast saying maybe USC can cause them a problem, and then they went to they like took that. That's the Michael Jordan mean of like, and I took that personally. <laughs> And then just like 19 points over them. Oh my god, it was ridiculous. It was They're ridiculous. By 14 by you over UCLA. Yeah, as they should be. I'm surprised yeah. Oh, yeah. it's only they're 14. Gonna be, they're going to beat them by double digits for sure. Right. Um. But you know, destroyed USC. Drew Timmy, Corey Kispert may both make the All America first team, depending on how they judge Corey Kispert. Um. You know, they're unstoppable. They're undeniable. 16-point win over Oklahoma, 18-point win over Creighton, 19-point win over USC. Honestly, among the teams, except for UCLA, who's the Cinderella team, the most impressive uh, resume going up here, too, and they made it look easy. Uh, and there's nothing else to be said. Mark Few has done a phenomenal job building Gonzaga, and they reap the rewards this year in the Final Four. Is there any else? I mean, what else is there to be said? I, I don't. I just don't have anything else to put in this one. We've been saying it so much. There's nothing that's changed or gotten, you know. But what, yeah, what is this? It's. It, I mean, if anything, it's 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 more just impressive of how good they've been from start to finish. Like I, I, and I I'm going to do some research on this and, and try and figure it out. I probably won't have it by the end of this episode. But I was talking to some of my friends. When was the last time, if ever, that the preseason one and two met in the national championship game? Because that's very, very likely going to happen. And it's it's insane. And it's it's such a testament to both of those teams um, for how good they've been from, from start to finish, um, particularly Gonzaga. Like we said, like 29 wins 
out of 30 by double digits. Just in their bracket alone, they beat the two seed, the three seed, the four seed, the five seed, the six seed, and the eight seed all by double digits at some point in this season. That's insane. And like, I, I think we'll get into it later. I, I think Baylor's got a shot, but this team, when you watch them, it, it, it just feels like a team of destiny. It just feels like this team is going to, to win the national championship. Um, and it's uh, the, the offense we've talked about all year. The defense is, is what I'm noticing now. Joel Ayayi, I, I think, is a pretty great on-ball defender. For the most part, the rest of the team aren't tremendous on-ball defenders, but their team defense is, is just terrific. They, they know where they need to be. They communicate with each other. The help comes when it's supposed to. They rotate incredibly well. Just their defense as five guys working together has been so impressive to me in the tournament, and it's brought another element to a team that already looked unstoppable. Right. I mean – Right. I have, I, like I said, I have nothing else to add to this because they've just amazing. Joel Ayayi has impressed me so much because he's just, he should be the last guy I'm talking about with all those other guys. And, and yet I bring him up like, wow, Joel Ayayi did really, really well. And then, dude, um, Andrew Nimhard, like Nimhard was, has been killing it. Jalen Suggs, two assists away from a triple double. Like every, that's the other thing with this team. It's like every guy is just seems to be hitting on all cylinders right now. Um, which is also a massive credit to Mark Few and and the coaching job that he that he does every single year, but particularly this year with the Bulldogs. Right, and uh, you know they play UCLA, our only real Cinderella story of the Final Four. Uh, before we go into them, the worst Cinderella ever. Right, but like before we go into them, can we just say? I mean, I'll just state it in my head: if UCLA beats Gonzaga, will there ever be a bigger upset than that? in final four history if Man. in final four history if ucla beats this gonzaga team it's gonna be up there i mean i like i i mean first you you think villanova georgetown uh nc state houston back back in the mid 80s i think of those those are really the only like games i can think of that would even kind of be close and i, I don't think either of those teams i don't think nc state or villanova was a double digit seed um, Georgetown and Houston were probably near as dominant as Gonzaga, uh, but yeah, it would it would be a massive. It would probably be those were both in the championship game, so I think we could definitely definitely say it's the most impressive upset in the semifinals. Um, yeah, it, I I don't see it happening. Right. I mean, if Johnny Uzang somehow plays good enough to beat Gonzaga, I'm picking him first overall. I'm picking right. for like forget anyone else. Forget Kate Cunningham or or whoever else is there. You're picking Johnny Uzang. He's just like Uzang was so much fun to watch in that game. Then literally, oh yeah. literally on offense, UCLA was just like, all right, Uzang Campbell, make something happen. We'll go work our asses off on defense, but like we got no offensive help for you guys. So uh, get done, and they did. Yeah, I love this team too. Jaime Hawkins Jr. is also so much fun to watch. I mean, it's just like a fun team. So let's talk about them. They upset Alabama in one, the, probably the craziest game, um, you know, in the tournament. The best tournament, yeah, I'd say that's the yeah. best tournament game so far. I'd agree. I, I watched that in the bar with some with with UCLA fans in there, and it was nuts. Uh, it was crazy, and uh, I mean, just just the whole progression from UCLA thinking they've got it to not fouling Alabama on that last thing, and you think they mess they messed this up, they messed it up. I thought that's wow, that's like. I love when they don't foul. I love when they Uh, don't foul, though. I hate when teams foul. I want them to make a rule. It's the right move, but I want them to make a rule that bans it because it's so effing lame. It is. And then he makes the three. His only points of the game so far was that three. That is stones, sir. That is stones. Uh, And then they got blown out in in overtime. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, when you you see that happen, like, it was, I guess, kind of the same thing with Oral Roberts in Ohio State, but but felt a little bit different because the buzzer beater by it, like, it it felt like Alabama was coming into that overtime with so much momentum and kind of just like, shit, they just escaped this thing and they're going to do it. And for UCLA... But we saw that against Michigan too. Like UCLA was winning that game. I actually put money on UCLA straight up to win. And they were up by seven. They were killing it. And then Chuzang got injured and came off. I cashed out. I put $25 down. I cashed out with a $31 gain. I left $45 at home and I didn't care because I saw Chuzang injured and I was like, this game's going to change. And like Michigan went on an 8 0 run. Michigan kind of control. I mean, it was neck and neck, but it felt like Michigan's game most of that second half. 
And it, just like in the Alabama game, like the UCLA resolve is just incredible. But that's the kind of teams that Mick Cronin coaches. I mean, it, it's a, like a Cincinnati team that he, that he had under his wing. And, uh, you know, we talked about the Bruins early on in the season. They were kind of running away with the Pac-12 for a little bit. And then towards the last third of the season kind of crumbled away. And I think they finished like fourth. Uh, but, man, it's, it, it's been a really, really impressive run for them. Uh, I believe the first team ever to beat the number one and the number two seed, uh, at least back to back in their own region. Um, so a, a, a tremendous job. And a, 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 they, they're winning in so many different ways. Like the Alabama-UCLA game, very, very high scoring. The Alabama-Michigan game, about the grossest game we've ever seen. Yeah, I mean, just like poor Juwan Howard wins coach of the year, but like, what will that make him feel any better? Honestly, no. Uh, no. And like, I have no love for Franz Wagner after what he did to Iowa in our game, but like, what a that man is getting hated on in the state of Michigan. That man is the public enemy number one. Yeah, uh, I feel bad. I feel bad. Like, I never think college kids should get attacked like that because, like, end of the day, they're college kids. But he did mess up quite a lot. He miffed miffed at. I mean, that shot was the the thing, too, is like, that's the other thing. It's like, sometimes it's not even the missing the shot. It's like, damn, you completely airballed. Like, it, oh, they weren't good looking misses, which made it even worse because you're just like, we had no chance. You weren't even close to the, the hoop. Right, and and especially when you're asking a Michigan team to just break the 50-point mark and you can't do that, you know, with apparently your best shooter. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, let, let's focus on UCLA. They beat Alabama in overtime, held Michigan to under 50 points. The team has heart. They play. They have the play to back it up. Love me, love me some Hame Hakas Jr., Johnny Juzang. Both have stepped up big, made this trip from the first four to the final four possible. Uh, you know, their beginning, I just think I didn't give them a lot of credence because the Michigan State game was close. They won that. And then they, you know, we all picked them to beat BYU. And then they got to play Abilene Christian, which was like, yeah, okay, they beat Texas, but that was an upset win that is not going to go any really anywhere. Um, but, you know, then they got Alabama and they showed themselves. And then they got Michigan and they showed themselves again. So they've earned it. Mick Cronin's a goat uh, in, in coaching. I love Mick Cronin. So uh, I, I think uh, I said, hey, dude. I said a goat, not the goat. Obviously, not even in UCLA, but like I, I uh, he's the greatest coach UCLA has ever had. <laughs> yeah, gosh, never. They really are. They really are, though. The the lamest Cinderella. Like I, I was pumped they won, and part of the reason I put money on them to win was because I was just like, this year's too crazy. There's no way we're gonna have three number one seeds and a two seed. Like that, it's just too straightforward of a Final Four. So I was like, I'm gonna go with it, and I'm pumped they won because we have a little bit of chaos. But, like, you can't pick a worse Cinderella. It's the most successful college basketball program in the history. Yeah. Now, uh, yeah. They, they are kind of the Celtics, where they haven't had a ton of success post, you know, 1980. Probably, probably even further back for UCLA. Like, I don't think UCLA, I think they've won one national championship since, like, 1976 or 75. Uh, so it's not like they've had it recent. But, like, still, the most successful program, and that's our Cinderella for this tournament. So. But there's there's some nice – I love Gonzaga and UCLA going up against each other. Gonzaga's first great team with Adam Morrison in 2006. They should have won against UCLA, shit it down their leg. UCLA goes on to the Final Four. And then there is some nice kind of – especially both being West Coast teams. Gonzaga's the, the king of the West Coast now. UCLA's been the king of the West Coast, king of college basketball for so many years. So there is this very nice sort of – these sort of storylines that we have of like, all right, we're gonna, I'm going to take down take down the big program to finally maybe go get that national title uh, for Gonzaga. Right, and I mean, besides the whole perfect streak, which is pressure, of course, I think there's pressure here for Mark Few. I know that there shouldn't like they like they should win, and there's no one's like they're going to lose. But imagine Mark Few lost this game. Imagine Mark. But Few. it's the Final Four. There's there's so much goddamn <laughs> pressure. Yeah, that's true. But like, I just think at that point, you're like, what Gonzaga team are you going to win with? Like, if right. you can't win with this. Right. But, but I think, I mean, I think he's got the best mindset. Well, the interview I heard of him the other day, he was like, hey, I, I'm, we are taking this day by day, game by game. And the thing I loved most about it was he was like, look, if we're just focused on the end goal, then as humans, as people, we're not enjoying this. If, if we're not enjoying game one, round one, that part, 
and we're just looking at the end and putting all that pressure on us, then think of all the days we're wasting as people, which I love just like as a mindset of life. But I think it's also the right way to be. Like, I, I think if, if, if this team hadn't already been to a national championship, I think there'd be a little bit more. But like he's, he's been to the final four. He knows how this works. As somebody who has, has been to the, got to go to the final four a couple of years ago, it is a different animal. I don't know if that's going to be the same case this year because everything's been in the same kind of area. So I think that sort of pressure probably won't be there as much uh, of like, all right, now you move to the big city and this is the final four. Like they've all been hanging out in Indianapolis anyway. Uh, so like that part won't be there. But I, I mean, of course there's pressure, but, but double digit seeds, I believe, have never won a game in the final four. Uh, and most of the time we see a Cinderella like this get to the final four that might not be the case with UCLA because of their history, but they get to the final four and it's kind of like, holy shit, we just made this massive accomplishment. We did it. We made it to the final four. Let's exhale. Ah, you got another game to play. You got to get back out. You, you can't accept. You, you haven't finished the goal. And a lot of time, I think Cinderella's, we see like George Mason, DCU, a, a myriad of, of these kind of Cinderella's uh, that, that get there and then are just like, oh yeah, we did it. And they're like, nope, there's two more games. Yeah, two more. The hardest, actually, game. So, um, believe it or not. So, yeah, I mean, Gonzaga, UCLA, if you're if you're betting money on UCLA, I hope it's not a lot of money. Um, so, you know, good luck to you out there. Not the money. Yeah, I mean. I went I went and bought some points because the line's 14, and I was just like, uh, I think they can get it, but I don't really want to do it. So, I think I took Gonzaga minus, like, seven and a half. I just went and bought myself some points because I was like, I might as well. I was like, they're going to beat them by double digits. Yeah, there you go. There you go. That's true. Um, that, was my, that was my thought with the USC. The USC game, right before it tipped off, it dropped down to eight and a half. And I was like, I mean, shit. 28 out of 29 games, they've won out of double digits. Mathematically, it is in my you know, like odds that they'll do this. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, they, they did with aplomb. My goodness. Uh, well, let's go to the other side of who's going to maybe beat Gonzaga. In the Midwest region, which was our crazy, crazy region, we had a disappointing finisher. Uh, you know, you know, you had so many teams that you wanted to get through, like Loyola Chicago, and then you thought, oh, Oregon State, and then, you know, but it's Houston. Okay. I mean, yeah. <laughs> good, for, good for them to get back. Yeah. I mean, it is cool since it's the first time since, like, the fly slam jamma era. In uh, the time where Houston was great, but yeah, they this team just is like, uh. yeah, like Quentin Grimes is great. This is the Quentin Grimes show. Like, don't get me wrong, but like, I'll, I'll give you the floor. You have anything else to say about Houston? They, I mean, they, anything else they, at all? They they had the easiest path to the Final Four of all time. Yeah, they, what did they? Like, play? And, and like, and that's and that's a fact. They're the only team to ever play four double digit seeds on their way to the Final Four. They had 10-seed Rutgers, 12-seed Oregon State, 11-seed Syracuse. I can't remember who their 15-seed were, but, like, it's been the easiest path. And that's not trying to take too much away from them because, obviously, they played those teams because those teams beat other top seeds, and and Houston was able to not get upset. And, and all you can do is beat the teams in front of you. But it still is, like, man, not the toughest route there, was it? Yeah. Well, then let's just go straight out because they have a tough route now. Now they'll get tested. We'll see what Quentin Grimes can do because they are taking on Baylor. Baylor dominant in the South region. Sorry, Houston. We love you, but like I have nothing else to say about you. You, you should have won. I'm glad you did. You're not You're not Crutwig. If you were Crutwig, I'd be talking about you all all day. I'd be talking about Crutwig, but you're not. So what Here's do you want me to thing, say? Though, too, like I mentioned earlier, like it, it's been Gonzaga and Baylor all years where like now that they're both here at the Final Four, I'm not sure it would have mattered who the other two teams were. I think for the most part, we'd all be like, all right, let's get to Gonzaga Baylor. Like that. Yeah, that's what we deserve. That is what we want. That is what should happen. So it's like, sorry, other Final yeah. Four teams, but you weren't the preseason one and two. Like you haven't been the two best teams all year long. Right. And it's like, even if it was a one versus one, even if Franz Wagner makes that three and they win, how many points better do you think Michigan does than UCLA? Not many. Yeah. Honestly, not many. Maybe not without the Right. So uh, we'll talk about Baylor then. Dominant in their road as well. Maybe not as dominant as Gonzaga, but they had some. They have good wins: Arkansas, Villanova, Wisconsin. You know their team just keeps being consistent with Jared Butler, Macy Oteague, 
Davion Mitchell, Chamwa Chachua, Matthew Mayer step, stepping up in this tournament. Um, so lots of good players and talent. Obviously, we talked about Scott Drew, great coaching ability. Baylor back uh, is it, it, just you know great to see them in the Final Four. Uh, I mean, I have nothing else to say about Baylor. They're going to beat Houston. They're too much for Houston. Quentin Grimes is a great player, and he'll have and you know maybe he'll ball out. But that's just going to mean that Baylor has to play a little harder. And when Baylor plays a little higher, they beat you. We all thought, oh, I don't know, Baylor's losing to Villanova. Yeah, okay, they didn't though, because Baylor doesn't lose to Villanova. That's not what Baylor does. Um, so the really the question is, can they be consistent enough? Can they hold their team together enough? to hold off Gonzaga and then make a push to beat them. I think defensively, I think they can. I really do think that they can hold Gonzaga, not not scoreless or anything like that, not to under 50 points, but I think they can hold Gonzaga within within range. I don't I'm excited. I'm excited just because like I think they can hold Gonzaga within range and then if Jared Butler shows us what Jared Butler can do in that range, if he shows up as the man of the hour, I think they can win. I really do. I don't think they will. I don't. I'm not picking them. I think you'd be crazy to not pick Gonzaga, uh, but not as not as crazy as you know, not as crazy as I I think other. I mean, any other team, I'm like, there's no hell, way in hell. Baylor's right. the one team. Baylor's the one yeah. team. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not picking Baylor, but Baylor is one of those. It's one of those few teams, and maybe the only team that you you really look at, and you're like, yeah, they could do it. Like they 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 have the pieces. They have they have. The just the the ability defensively, their their offense, you know, like Gonzaga offense all year. Jaylor, I kind of was like really good defensive team. Both those teams have elevated the other side of their game so much that the Baylor offense has impressed me uh, a ton this year. Um, they don't have a ton of size, so I I do wonder what they do with a guy like Timmy. I I think, and he is playing so like Evan Mobley's a great player, and I know Evan Mobley's young. He was eating Evan Mobley alive. Like, alive. Evan Mobley went from like looking like a top three pick to like he had no idea how to play defense. Like because Timmy was just so so on. So the, the size is where I think Baylor gets a little hurt. They do have a lot of long guys and a lot of quick guys. Um, but yeah, I, I certainly am taking Baylor over Houston. No offense to Houston, I just don't think they have the offense to hang with Baylor uh, as good as their defense is. I just don't think they're going to be able to ugly up that game enough for a team like Baylor, especially like like you said, the Villanova game, like Baylor doesn't get shook. Like Baylor might be down 10 to Gonzaga early and Baylor's not going to give up in that game. Like Baylor's going to fight back uh, because it's just, that's who they are. They're, they're a tough team, but yeah, I, I, I certainly am taking Baylor. The thing I love too, about this, this final four, uh, I, I don't know totally for Houston. I, I do believe there are a couple players for Houston, uh, but then you got, I think three players for Baylor. You got Johnny Chuzang for UCLA transfers like the amount of transfers that are, are impacting all of these programs and these teams I love and I love it too because sometimes all these coaches complain we're getting to see all of these guys excel like Johnny Tuzang didn't wasn't getting those shots at Kentucky now he just led UCLA to a final four run so I, I there's always this talk about transfers that it's just like oh this guy you used to be have to work hard to earn your spot and all this stuff dumb that's a dumb take like I, how about just go be where you can be the best and if you want to go play and do that like that's where you should be and and so I, I love that the transferring has gotten easier for players and it's it's helping programs it's helping athletes uh and i i am all for it and, and I, i'd love to see that these guys have, have gotten a chance somewhere else and have, have taken advantage of it Right. And you know what it is? It's coach. It makes coaches job harder because you have to re- basically recruit your team twice every year. But like, Hey, if you're doing a good job, that's not hard. That's right. not yeah. hard. You shouldn't so, be, you shouldn't have to be recruiting every year. Like if some, most of the time too, like if somebody's leaving, like if you were that, that valuable to you, then I don't know, maybe they should have, you should have played them more. I don't. And the fact like a coach can go wherever the hell they want. Like Chris Beard's going to Texas tech's biggest rival and we're all fine with it. Because that that's how it is. Players should be able to have that ability as well. Right. I agree. Okay. Well, I mean, we already said it. So I'll just repeat what we said if, in case you missed it. Gonzaga's going to annihilate UCLA. Baylor's got too much firepower to, uh, to have Houston uh, pose any real kind of threat. So the next thing we have to look forward to, Baylor, Gonzaga, 
if you, if it's anything else, we'll be talking about it. Don't you worry. We'll be talking about it. But uh, I mean, Baylor Gonzaga on Monday. Oh, I can't wait. Oh, it's going to be so much fun. We'll be talking all about it, or we'll be talking about something else. We'll see. But for now, the March Madness talk has ended, which means we're not we going to make ten- our picks. We're not going to have another episode before the final. Oh, you want to make our picks? Okay, let's we have yeah, to. That's fair. That's we're not, yeah, we're yeah. not going to record before Monday. Okay, well, uh, Gonzaga, my pick, Gonzaga. I think I think you're right. You know, more than – here's what it is. You know me. You've heard me talk about this a million times in different sports. More than the great players, more than the great coach, more than the unbeatable uh, team, and more than the double-digit wins, it's the feeling of destiny that does it for me. It just feels like there's nothing that can stop Gonzaga. Just like it feels like when you're playing Tom Brady in the playoffs, you're going to lose. That's what it feels like with Gonzaga right now. So Tom Brady I'm picking- lost in the playoffs. You know what? It's what I said last, and I was right. So why don't we all hush up? Dumb metaphor. Why don't we all hush up? Uh, no, but I, I'm picking Gonzaga. Are you? Are you? Pick, I would love if you pick Baylor. I would love I, it. I had Gonzaga over Baylor at the start of the year. I had Gonzaga Baylor in my bracket. I'm having Gonzaga over Baylor, and then I'm going to win our bracket pool. But I think yeah, that's the only go. one I'm going to. I think I'm, that's the only one I'm going to lose. There's one I'm in where people are killing it. It's like you bastards. Crazy. Yeah. Bastards. I mean, I have Gonzaga Baylor. Gonzaga first too, but everything else fell away. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, it's, it's. I know I was kind of surprised you didn't have Baylor in the final. Yeah, I mean, I just thought, like, you know, it was one of those March Madness. Hey, I like it. I like it. I love it. Yeah, there you go. Uh, That's the thing with no, like, you can't look at any March Madness pick and be like, oh man, that was a dumb pick. Like, it, it's March Madness. Yeah. UCLA is in this final four, so. Oral Roberts was one shot away from being a t- uh, like further down this line. One shot. One shot. Even even Houston, like if you look at the two seeds, Iowa, Ohio State, Alabama, like Houston was the one two seed. Nobody was like, hey, they might make the final four. Right, exactly. Like more people picked Iowa. Yeah. I I had Rutgers beating them. I was like, this is a great pick because it's gonna happen. (laughs) It almost Uh, did. It almost did. So close. Uh, Rutgers, disappointing. Uh, but we've reached our favorite, not our favorite part. I love talking sports, but we've reached uh my favorite sound cue of uh the podcast which is who down uh never gets old that's when we make it big matt that's the one thing that is going to happen live i don't care if we have all the fancy i'm good with that i agree i just think it's too that's got to be a signature sorry Um, sound department yeah they're like can we just record you saying it and then you don't have to say it no he's got to say it live every time they'd be like damn it guys um the energy of the episode informs the cool down there you go and uh it's been a great episode it's been really fun uh we'll end our our episode talking about some spring subjects that's right spring is in the air nice weather rainy weather so matt i have a question for you what music makes you feel like spring i have no answer for either of these questions (laughs) i have no i have no idea what music or movies? That's gonna be the next question. Remind nothing. I don't think nothing. nothing I got nothing at all. No, okay, I well I, I'm gonna talk. Lake Street Dive is my pick for music. I think that they are a jazzy band. Uh, they got that nice '70s influence. It kind of makes you think of like rainy days, but also could be like sunny days. Uh, my favorite song by them is Miss Re- Miss Disregard. Uh, so I really like Lake Street Dive and movies. I mean, the sound of music, that's like springy. You got the flowers, you got all of that stuff. And, uh, Tuck Everlasting. You never watched Tuck Everlasting? It doesn't remind me of spring. Yeah, it's got the whole like spring feel. It's got the rain. It just don't remind me of spring. I respect that these movies and these music remind you of spring. There's just nothing that I'm just like, ah, yeah, that reminds me of spring. You know what reminds me of spring? The Masters. That's what reminds me of spring. There you go. That's all I wanted. I just wanted an answer, even if it wasn't the one I asked for. There you go. There you go. (laughs) The mask. I was thinking, too. I was like, I was going through all the other seasons. I was like, yeah, there's shit that reminds me of summer. There's certainly shit that reminds me of winter, because usually it's just like Christmas stuff or whatever. There's probably stuff that reminds me of fall. I don't know. I don't know if there's a movie that reminds me of fall. But uh, spring, I was like, I got nothing. I got well, with <laughs> with that failure answer my question, we're going to the biggest question section that we're going to. It's the quick fire questions. The seat has never been hotter than this yeah, very are hotter. <laughs> I wasn't even able to answer those. There you go. All right. Well, we continue with some sports quick fire questions after my 
surprise quick fire questions before that. Um, so the Mets uh, opening day, happy to have baseball back. We're not talking about it because it's baseball. There's we'll 161 more games. <laughs> we'll talk about it later at some point <laughs> when it's, it's summer in the- April and it doesn't matter until like August. So right. the, the next month it starts with a, we'll start talking about it. Right, there you go. Uh, you're forgetting about a June, a July, <laughs> a September. A September. October. No, that's what I'll talk about. Basically. Uh, October. Uh, oh, oh. Okay. No, let's get to it. Uh, big news happening right before the season started. The Mets signed Francisco Lindor to a 10 year contract extension worth 300 bajillion dollars uh so what do we think do the mets win a world series in the next decade i don't know probably not no nah i mean it's a mets like they just don't really i I think it's a smart deal especially because i think francisco lindor uh particularly for a city like new york um having a guy from from puerto rico and such is is is, he's going to be a superstar i think it's terrific for that um, but I, I'm just not sure the Mets, the Mets management just seems to always like, they seem to do a lot of good stuff. And then like, I don't know, they'll, they'll be like, Oh, now it's time to do something dumb. Like they like, they watch, they watch like the Yankees and they're like, Oh yeah, the Yankees, that's how we should. And then like, for some reason they look over at Madison square garden and they look at the Knicks they're like, actually, no, let's be like them. They're like, what the, where the hell did that come from? The Knicks are good. Right. <laughs> right. Um, no, but uh, I agree. I don't think they're winning World Series. Congratulations, because Francisco Lindor, I mean, con- good for you, man. Uh, but, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I love Francisco Lindor. I'm pumped that he's going to be playing in New York for the next decade, hopefully. I oh, just, he, he could certainly get traded, but, like, right. I, yeah. It's a tough, tough, tough to, call. Yeah, I'm excited to watch him, so that'll be nice. Um, okay, so with the news with the NFL draft trades and possibly Mac Jones being taken before Justin Fields, Kyle Pitts being projected – before Justin Fields at number four. What do you think? Who gets picked first, Kyle Pitts or Justin Fields? I think it's Pitts. I mean, I, I think it should be – actually, I don't know if it should be Fields. I'm not sure why. I, I don't have to answer that part of it, but I do think it's Pitts. I, I think he's just like – he's one of those guys that is going – he's just like murdering his workout, and, and I think scouts and everybody is just like falling in love with the idea of this guy on the field for them. I mean, he's – especially where the tight end position is now, like he's coming into this at such a perfect time where – yeah, he's, he's basically going to be a wide receiver. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'm going to go with Pitts. Right. I mean, when's the last time we saw a player like O.J. Howard is the closest thing I can think of not be a baller? George Kittle, Travis Kelsey, Rob Gronkowski, like, they're all ballers. So you're kind of kind of a baller yeah. there. You know the last tight end taken in the top ten? Who? I don't. Boy, oh, you shared in Iowa. T.J. Hawkinson, baby. T.J. Hawkinson. He's also <laughs> great. He's also great. He's more of a blocking tight end, but he's also great. Um, Whoa. This boy's talking bad about Sheridan, Iowa. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, yeah, All right. Like, the episode's well, almost over. Don't get yourself in trouble here. Hey, you got canceled at the beginning. I'll get canceled at the end. All right? That's what's just going to happen here. <laughs> what you They're like canceled for? Uh, well, Matt made, like, kind of a sexist remark, and Yannick just said that TJ Hawkinson was more of a blocking tight end. Like, oh, they said. Cancel culture is getting tough. They're like, Matt, you can stay. Yannick, get the fuck out of here. You, you They're running out of things to cancel people for. They're just like, oh, yeah, sure. That, we'll cancel for that. What about Chris Brown? He hit a person. No, we don't. That, that's cool. You can do that. It's, uh, it's the other stuff that we want yeah. you to cancel. Oof. Oof, oof, getting too real. All right. So lots of good players in the final four. Johnny Juzang, Drew Timmy, Corey Kispert. Jalen Suggs, those are all Gonzaga players. Jared Butler, <laughs> Davion Mitchell, <laughs> Macy Oteek, uh, Quinn Grimes. Quinn Grimes. <laughs> so many great players. So there's a lot right. of great players just risk off the Gonzaga roster. Right. Okay, so my question for you is, my question for you, Matthew. I'm ready. I'm ready. My question for you. Which player will score the most points in the final four stage of the men's tournament? Across Come all Timmy, is that what is that what you said? Timmy, Timmy. Yeah. Old South, old South Park reference. Uh, yeah, I'm going Timmy. I love that. I, 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 he just seems like he's the vocal point of them right now. He, he's getting buckets. UCLA also doesn't have like tremendous low post um, defense, um, and I think as well with Baylor, like I, I think he's just going to be. He's going to have to be, or not have to be, but he's going to be a vocal point for those games. 
One, because he's an All-American. Two, because he's going to be such a mismatch for them. Okay, there you go. Drew Timmy scoring out, taking Gonzaga to the final, winning eventually. We'll get it all back to you soon, but we're at the end of our episode. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Had such a great time talking all things sports once again. Stay safe. Get vaccinated. Wear a mask until everybody's vaccinated. Uh, And Matthew, take us out here. Cheers, y'all.